because Gordy took them. All right. Attention VEV shoppers, yes. Seem to be missing. We seem to be missing a Sophia. So today we have the privilege of Joanna and Sophia uh, sharing with us today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that we get the privilege to uh, learn um, that we uh, that we are part of the upside down kingdom. Um, that um, that we have the honor of listening to Sophia today, uh, of uh, the wisdom that she has to share with us uh, for the gifts that you've given to her and Joanna as well. And I pray that you'll open our ears and allow your Holy Spirit to flow through them. Amen. Commissioner, uh, would you be so kind as to just scooch that a little forward? Thank you so much. And then we will go ahead here. Servant of all, thank you. Great. So as I said before, I'm Joanna. This is my daughter, Sophia. She is nine years old. And our uh, sermon today is um, on, well, I'll tell you a little story about the topic of our sermon today. <laughs> the topic that I was assigned was interacting with children. I was assigned that topic some months ago. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I went to prepare my sermon and prepared away all about the topic of identifying with children. And then I got the bulletin note saying, please put your bulletin notes on interacting with children here. And I went, wow. So I phoned Gordy and said, hey, so it's uh, Thursday night, and I know you're leaving for the national team meetings, but I think I just prepared my sermon on the wrong topic. And he sent me this text that said, Joanna, identifying with children is the first step to interacting with them. Go ahead with whatever you've prepared. I'm sure it will be fine. That's why he gets to be the lead pastor. So totally awesome. So, And I did indeed, when I went and looked at my notes, I thought, this is totally great. So we're going to start um, by uh, reading from uh, the Gospel of Mark this morning. I'm going to ask Sophia to read this um, reading. We'll read it into the microphone because we record our sermons so that they're available online for people who listen. And then I'm going to hand you this mic and you'll get to keep it because my mic here is going to be on. Okay, honey? You can either read from there or you can read from there. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Do not stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we've been going through a series on the Upside Down Kingdom. Have you heard any of the sermons so far in this series? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... We're talking today about identifying with children. What do you think? What do you think that means? When I was talking to you about it, and I said, "What does that mean if you identify with somebody?" If you identifying is ch with children is trying. My perspective is that if you identify with someone, 
you're sort of you're able or sort of able to put yourself in their shoes. Great answer. Yeah, I agree. That's 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 what identifying with somebody is. So these are some if we could go to the next slide. So these are some of the different words that were helpful in just looking up what it means to identify with somebody. So it can mean everything from feeling for them, relating to them, responding to what they're going through. So it all has to do, it really does, thank you, Gordy, really does have to do with interacting, right? And, and you just said exactly what's there, right? Putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So if we're gonna be a community of people that interacts with our children, we have to identify with them. We have to think about what it feels like to be a kid. And some of us remember what it feels like to be a kid, and, and we're really present in that all the time. Some of us feel like we never grow up, grew up and we never stop feeling like a kid. Um, and um, other times I think it's really hard work. If you're a grown up, it's really hard work to think about what children are feeling in a given situation. So I wanna start by asking all of you a question. And it's not a rhetorical question, I really want you to answer it, and I want you to talk about it with somebody that's near you. So I want you to take a minute, and I want you to think about a time when, um, either if you are, uh, if you're already under the age of 12, you can think about a time that this has happened for you recently, or if you're over the age of 12, think about back to a time when you were a child, when you had an encounter with an adult that was really positive, when they said something to you or encouraged you in a way that you still remember today that has really stayed with you. So take a second to think about that, and if you're not sitting right next to somebody, go ahead and move. But just take a, sec take a, a couple of minutes and just share with whoever's near you a time when an adult really encouraged you and that you remember that situa situation. Okay, ready, go. Just one, one more minute to share. So if the other person hasn't shared, just share, try and share a quick memory. Bing! Okay, 
times up. So in the same way that hopefully you can remember somebody encouraging you or having a positive experience when you're a kid, I'm sure all of us have a situation, well, I shouldn't say that anymore. I'm not sure anymore because I had an experience this week that I'll just tell you about. But I think most of us can also remember in the opposite a time when somebody was not good to you, when an adult that you really looked up to, you know, had an impact on you that was not positive. Um, you know, for some people, unfortunately, it's probably, you know, more the negative than the, than the positive. Um, but that, that has an impact on us. The point that I'm making and asking you to think about that is that I think if you are an adult, it's helpful to remember those encounters when you were a kid. Because guess what? Whether you feel like it or not, you're an adult now. And so you are the ones who now have that opportunity to impact the kids in our church community, in your life, in your school, wherever we are. Um, one book that both um, Gordy and I have read during this prep time, actually it was just this random find in our garage sale box in the summer, and I was like, oh, we're doing a series on children, I should pick this up. And then Gordy was like, this is a really good book. It's called Too Small to Ignore, and it's written by the man who's now the president of Compassion International. His name is Wes Stafford, and he says something really strong in this book. He says, if, a God, if God places a child in front of you and you're too busy to wield either a negative or a positive influence on them, guess what? You just wielded a negative influence on them because you've communicated that you're too busy to bother, that you're too busy to, to encounter with them. Um, we had an experience, I think it was the first Sunday of this series, where my son, who is four, Pax, he had not wanted to be in kids' church. We literally had to force him into the van that day to get to church. Seriously. It was one of those times as a parent where he was using his words. He was saying all the, I am, I am using my words. I do not like this. I do not want to go. And we as parents had to say, I am so sorry. Thank you for telling us that. We are choosing to go to church as a family. And the only thing that we can promise you is that we're never going to take you anywhere where we don't think you're loved and we don't think you're safe. So church is a place where we believe you're loved and you're safe. We know you don't want to go, but we're choosing as your parents to take you there today. But it was a crazy battle to get him there. And at the end of the service, he was saying to me, I have to tell my story. I have to tell my story so everybody can hear my story. And we were in the seats and Gordy had spent this whole sermon talking about how important it was for us to listen to and honor children. Well, he gets louder, louder. Wade starts taking him out. He's in the nursery, panicking, panicking. I have a story to tell, and I have to tell everyone my story. Well, in the end, I wound up going up and waiting beside Gordy, who was praying, and it felt like the prayer went on forever as I was watching my son melt down in the back room because he had to tell his story. Well, in the end, he told his story. It was a beautiful little story about when he was a baby. Gordy wound up referencing it a couple weeks later. But what happened for me as a parent was so special because I had just shared briefly that he hadn't wanted to come. And people without asking, there were three or four people I know for sure who came to him individually without being prompted after church and said to him, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I loved that you shared your story. 
I hope that you will come back to church. I hope that you'll come again. And it was huge for him. Um, this week I asked Sophia and said, what's a time when somebody has made you feel uh, bad or small? And I found her answer kind of surprising. So I wrote down what you said, if you want to read it. You can read it here, okay? This printer went kind of funny. But you can say what? Do you want to just read it or do you want to say it from your memory? Just read it. You can read it. I can't really think of a time when someone has discouraged me. And I know there have been many times that people have put a positive influence on me. But there have been so many times that people have been good to me that I can't really think of just one. Try to inspire a child, because then they can believe in themselves and grow up to do great things. If you see a kid draw a picture, say, that's, good. that's a great picture. I can see scribbles drawn by my four-year-old neighbor or by my brother and think, that's actually a really nice picture. And of course I tell them that. If you're talking to a kid, they are not some alien from outer space are going to develop into humans some other time. We are actually people already. Don't talk to them like they don't speak English. We are just regular people. Just talk to us like we're your best friend. The one thing you should always remember when you're talking to a kid is trying to be a good influence on them. My mom, my dad, and my teachers are all good to me. You have to not just say nice things. You actually have to do good things. Your actions and your words have to match up. Or kids can tell that you're lying. Trust me. <laughs> my mom and dad are never perfect. They do get mad at me sometimes. And sometimes they do things that they know that they shouldn't do. But then they apologized to me. Okay, thanks. Great. Oh, wait, sorry, I have this. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so, we're going to talk a little bit about the reading that we read a short time ago about um, when the disciples stopped the children from coming to Jesus. Um, and one of the things that he said was, uh, the kingdom of God belongs to those people, who, those who are like these children. So we talked a little bit this week about what you think Jesus meant by that. So do you want to share some of your thoughts about why Jesus said, if you don't become like a little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven? What were some of your thoughts on that? Because children have a free spirit and they're almost... Never serious. And you think that's helpful for seeing the kingdom of God around us? Uh-huh. Okay. And they believe in anything, in everything anyone tells them. They're faithful, and they believe that God can do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true, hey? And do you want to tell the story of what happened this week with Pax, or last week, or do you want me to tell Want me to tell? I don't know what that means. There's one more thing that you have to say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Children are simple, and they don't think too much like adults do sometimes. 
you can tell the story. Okay, you can keep the mic. Um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty profound that Sophia said, I think sometimes grown-ups just think too much. You know, they're not. And when she said they're faithful, she said it like full of faith, that kids really believe stuff that grown-ups tell us. So I would say, again, as adults, we just need to be so aware that when we're interacting with children and identifying with children, our words are so powerful. Our words are so powerful in every encounter, but especially when we're passing on stories of faith. And I know for me as a parent, I've been incredibly humbled many times by my kids, um, by their perspective on things, by their perspective on a simple faith. Um, uh, just this past couple weeks, we had another, uh, we had a situation that happened where, I think it was two weeks ago, um, I was helping with our preschool class. And we were talking about the story of the, the faith-filled friends who carried Jesus on a stretcher through the roof. And I was visiting with um, Kirsten and, or carried a man through the roof, sorry, what did I say? So I was visiting with our friends, Kirsten and Gary Veldman. A lot of you guys know them. They, they come to our camp every year and are alumni of our church. They're so super handy. And I said, I have to do this lesson the next day. And within minutes, Gary had gone out to his shop and cut these bamboo poles. And uh, Kirsten had gotten this fabric. And we were making little stretchers for all the kids. So we were in kids' church. Stephanie and I were talking about caring for each other and how Jesus cares. Well, we had uh, three boisterous four-year-old boys and two very quiet little girls. Well, these boys especially really wanted to act out this story. So we had straws and we had mud. We dug holes through the roof. We imagined what Jesus' face looked at like us, looking up through the thing. And we said, what does Jesus look like? Is he mad? No, he's not mad. Jesus cares about us. It's so awesome. So then we jumped through the roof and we put the stretcher down and then we had Barbie dolls and we put the Barbie dolls on the stretchers and then we had to do it all over again. And we had so much fun. It was awesome. Well, the thing that wasn't so fun was that we got a phone call a few days later to say that Wade's stepdad had been in a very bad car accident. And he's still in hospital. Thank you to those of you who knew that and have been praying for him. Um, they're still trying to figure out what's going on with him. He's crushed one of the vertebrae in his spine. So we're still waiting and praying. And they've had a hard year. There are family that are in High River that have also lived through a flood this year. So it's been a lot for them. Um, and for me, when I got the news, I'm thinking, oh, no, he's already got a bad back. You know, Wade's mom, Joyce, was saying, oh, we have to pray about surgery or not surgery, all these things, right, just were going through my head. So I was driving Pax to preschool, and I was trying to explain to him what all of the phone calls had been about that morning, what was going on, what happened to Papa Edwin, which Papa was Papa Edwin, you know, how, how all of that worked. And finally I said, oh, I, I know what you'll remember. They had to put him on a stretcher, just like at Sunday school. They had to put him on a stretcher, and he had to stay on the stretcher for a really long time. He was on a stretcher all night last night. They have him laying flat. You know, it, it was an incredible miracle of, of the Lord that, you know, right after the crash happened, he laid on his horn, and the first vehicle by him was an ambulance with full paramedic crew. So God's hand was on him. We're still praying. I said to Pax, will you pray for Papa Edwin? And he said, thank you, Jesus that you are going to go and say, stand up and walk. <laughs> amen. And I said, amen. He was in the back seat. And I thought, 
I have been worrying about surgery, but I told him last week that if you are a guy on a stretcher and your friends have faith and they bring you to Jesus, Jesus says, stand up and walk. And then that's what happens to people on stretchers. So I phoned Wade's mom and said, um, Pax had a prayer this morning, so that's what they've been praying. And every time our kids the other day, they were getting just downright nutty. They were pounding the desk, stand up and walk in Jesus' name. And Pax is leading our family in faith right now through this journey. He is leading us because he has believed what we told him. And he has believed it to be true. So we are following his faith right now. Because if we just look at what the world is perceiving as reality right now, it's terrible. So we're just praying that over and over again. Um, this is pretty cool. So do you know who this guy is in this picture? Do you know who the man in the white robe is? No idea. Okay. This is the Pope. The Pope is the head of the Roman Catholic Church, Granny and Papa's Church. Yeah. Right? Okay, so this is the Pope, and he is um, very, very honored within his church, very well revered. They actually call him in his church, they call him the Holy Father, which that's the honor and respect that they give him. And this is a picture of the Pope, and he is in Vatican City, which is the, the special Catholic city, and he was giving a huge church service, a huge mass. And it was on the year of faith, and it was for children and families. Well, this happened the last week of October. This just happened. News outlets all over the world reported on this story, because what happened was this little guy here who's sitting in the chair. By the way, this is the chair that, uh, pretty sure this is the chair that Francis has chosen to be his papal throne. So he's choosing pretty sim simple things in comparison to what some other popes have chosen as far as the way he wants to demonstrate himself. But um, still, there's a real reverence for those of you who have ever been to a Catholic Mass. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I'm very grateful for my Catholic heritage. But you don't go on the, the altar. You don't go on the altar. Nobody else goes up there except the priest or the altar servers. Even as kids, you're taught from an early age, you don't walk around. It's quite a culture shock experience if our kids ever go to my mom and dad's church. What happened was, though, because it was the year of faith and it was for children and families, they had all these representative families that were sitting around the bottom of the stage, the bottom of the altar. Well, this little guy, I believe he's from Colombia. He's been adopted by an Italian family, and he wanted to be with the Pope. He wanted to be with him. And he went up to the platform, and if you just, you can just Google little boy on stage with the Pope. There's all these pictures, there's all these gifts. So the first thing he did was he went up and just stood right next to him and put his head like this while the Pope was listening to somebody else. And so the Pope kind of looks at him, Pope Francis looks at him, smiles at him, kind of touches him. So then the little boy stayed with him and stayed with him. The Pope is greeting visiting dignitaries, the little guys in between them, just like my little guy would be doing, like trying to take the dude's handshake off the Pope, like, sorry, this is my guy, I claimed him to be my buddy today, like interrupting the handshake. So then Pope Francis gets up to speak, and the little guy comes and stands beside him, and halfway through the speech, he just embraces him, and hung on to the legs of Pope Francis during the speech. And the Pope smiled. I mean, the cardinals, they were trying to get this kid off the stage. They were giving him lollipops. They were trying to do whatever they could. He would not leave his side. Finally, 
during the speech, he's like, this is clearly the best seat in the house. News reports vary. Some people say Francis set him on the chair. One video that I saw, he just walked right over. But do you know what all these different secular news outlets are saying, like I'm Googling this story? Guess what they're saying about Pope Francis? Guess. What do you think they're saying? No idea? They're all saying versions of, we don't want to sound preachy, but we're pretty sure that's what Jesus would have done. Or we think Jesus would have been pretty happy with that. Or all these outlets that don't say the name of Jesus are referencing the behavior and attitude of Jesus towards children and the response of Pope Francis in this hugely public situation, saying, here it is. And the bottom line is he honored them. What do you think it means when somebody honors you? Hmm. I'm asking Sophia some questions I didn't prepare her for, so if you don't know, it's okay. But what do you think? Somebody said, he really honored me today. What do you think that means? Or why do you think that showed that he honored him, that Pope Francis honored that little boy? What did he do that you think was good? He let him. He let him come. Yeah. He stayed with him. Yeah. Other people, why do you think that shows honor? Why do you think his behavior shows honor to that child? Yeah. He treated him with respect. He wasn't embarrassed of him. He didn't sort of say, oh, sh- 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 go away, go away. No. He, he, that kid is going to remember that moment, but other people will remember that moment. Don't you think that it doesn't even really matter what he said? I mean, nobody said, nobody in these news reports that I looked at multiple different ones, nobody said anything about what was in his speech. Not a thing. There was no mention of what he said. They said it was for the year of faith, it was a service for children and families, but all they talked about was what he did. What he did, how he interacted with this child. Um... Yeah, if we want to identify with children, if we want to interact well with children, Jesus said flat out, anybody that doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a child, is never going to enter it. It means, and the kingdom of God doesn't just mean heaven, right? What does the kingdom of God mean? What is, where is the kingdom of God? At hand. At hand, right? Here. Somebody else said something. Where is the kingdom of God? Where do you think? Yeah, in our hearts, right? Anywhere where Jesus is working today. I heard a great phrase a couple weeks ago, heaven is breaking backward into the earth, right? The kingdom of God is here now. And Jesus is saying, if you don't welcome a little child the way, even if you don't like respond to me the way a little child does, you can't see it. You can't see the kingdom. You can't be aware of it. It's, you, can't, you can't know what's going on. Um, Uh, one of the most, so I have a bunch of stuff to say now too. You can totally hang out with me here if you want to, but I'm going to share some other stuff. You're welcome to go sit down. Do you want to sit here with me or do you want to sit somewhere else? Okay. I'll call you. Oh, wait. I'll call you back in a bit, okay? 
It's going to be your turn in a bit, but I don't want you to sit there bored around. So one of, one of the key things, or most important points to ponder today, one of the things that Sophia mentioned that you guys applauded was what? She said, when you talk to kids, don't, don't treat them like they're what? She said, we're not aliens, right? We're not aliens that are going to someday turn into adults. We're just people, right? Kids are just people here and now. And do you know if you start looking at expert advice on how to interact with children, do you know what the, one of the number one things is, as simplistic as it sounds, is to honor children as people, whole people in their own right. That was one of the things that blew our minds, actually, when we were pregnant with Sophia. We read a book by a, a doctor whose name was Dr. Sears, and one of the things he just, was this sentence, he said, acknowledge the personhood of your child. And do you know that language still stops people? Like, if they ever say, oh, I really like your kids, or your kids are so cute, or anything like that, and I say, yeah, they're really great people. I saw people go, Yeah. I'll say, you know, we've really, she's such a nice person, I'll say. It's so, people are taken aback if you refer to children as people, as weird as that sounds, you know? And, and um, uh, you know, there's, there's whole websites and whole theories about this concept of honoring children. You know the, the children's singer Rafi, Baby Beluga in the Deep Blue Sea? He has a whole mission now, a website called childhonoring.org. I will try and remember when I get home to link it on our church Facebook site. But it's all about what would the world really, really look like if we actually did put children first. And that's one thing that Wes Stafford talks about in this book. He's like, we know we, we have things in the Geneva Convention. We have the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. But it's still not coming through often in our churches, in our governments, in our cities. And this website, even if you don't believe, in, believe or agree with every single thing he says, it's so interesting because he's saying, environmentally, what does it look like if we put kids first? Government, decision-wise, what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we just honor people, you know, people as children? And if you have ever, you know, been pregnant or the partner of a pregnant person or been around people that have children or around any humans in general, you'll be aware that people say the stupidest things to pregnant women or people with children that are generally negative. We have this bizarre thing in, in Canadian culture, even maybe American culture, where people say things like they see, when we were pregnant, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, your whole life's going to change now. I remember once, it was, I really feel like it was God just put words in my mouth, and I said, well, that's what we're hoping. <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then people would start to tell you how amazing their kids were, how much they loved their kids. Or if I'm somewhere with my three kids, and guess what, people? Three kids is not a big family, necessarily. I know it is by Canadians. And people say things like, oh, you got your hands full there, huh? <laughs> you know, and my sister, who's got five kids, told me about this first, and she said, I find it throws people off, and they actually even kind of like it sometimes, if you just only ever answer positively. If you become committed, if we as a church became, each one of us, committed to only saying positive things about children. Because you know what? When kids are not behaving well, everybody knows. It's evident. You don't need to say anything about it. But we do need to speak up and say, you know, like my sister, oh, you got your hands full there. And she goes, I know, I love it. We're so blessed. It's great. People go, yeah, yeah, it is. 
Oh, you got, you, oh, wow, that's a, that's a big crew there, huh? Boy, what's, oh, that's, you must get, and I go, yeah, it's great. It's just what we hoped for, you know? I, I, yeah, I know people who have had people tell them flat out in front of their kids, you have too many kids. I mean, what are you going to say? Which one would you like me to get rid of? <laughs> like, they're here with their ears, they can hear you. Like, what would you like me to do about that? So um, part of the problem, I, I, one of the reasons why I think this kingdom language is so important, and I'm going to get kind of serious on you here, but it's something that I really believe passionately, is that we live in a culture where we as adults in Canada define whether or not children are people by our language before birth. Adults get to decide whether we want to call the contents of a woman's womb, a child or a fetus. And then it's a shocking, shocking departure from the cultural norm should you choose to call it otherwise. And I am not saying that I know what it's like to be in a situation that I'm making reference to, and I think you know what it is because I'm trying to honor the children in our midst, so I don't want to go deeper than is wise right now for our guys for kids that are here with us right now but what i'm saying is we know according to the word of god that we're knit together in our mother's wombs yet we live in a culture that allows adults to define whether or not there is a person naming and identifying children from conception as people is important it is valuable the dictionary definition in my Bible actually defines children. It's one of the point, next points, Esther. The definition of children, according to my dictionary Bible, is an unborn or recently born person. A young person between infancy and youth and not yet of age. Offspring or descendants. We need to acknowledge children as people. The next verse that I want to reference is Mark 9.33 where, um, if you can move along there, I'm not going to read it all out, but it's a verse that if you've been around Christendom for a while, you'd probably be familiar with. If you can move ahead to that one, Esther, if that works. Where Jesus' disciples, and Gordy's already referenced in this series, they're actually walking along the road, and they're having a fight about who's the greatest in this coming kingdom. And they get to a house, and Jesus says to them, so what were you guys fighting about back there on the road? And they're like, oh, and they're kind of reluctant to say and how he answers it is he takes a little child and he puts a little child in the midst of them. And he says, anybody that wants to be first has to take last place. And anybody who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but welcomes the father. So this is serious business, guys. Learning how to interact with children and identifying with children is the business of the kingdom. If we want to be a church that loves Jesus and follows Jesus, we have to do this well. I think we do. I think generally as a church community, we do it well. But I know I can always learn to do it better. I'm with kids all the time every day, and I can always learn to do it better. So here are some tips. Um, if you would like to learn how to welcome children better, um, if you can move ahead to the next list, Esther. Here's the first tip. When you're identifying or interacting with kids, oh, I don't know why it's coming up backwards. You can just put the whole list up there. Number one, this sounds odd, look at them. 
It's so easy as a mom to be busy doing something else and to realize that my kid has called me yeah. four or five times and I haven't actually looked at them. Yeah. I'm making a practice of when my kids get out of bed in the morning to stop whatever I'm doing and kneel down <coughs> if they're short enough to say good morning to them and look at them. Karen Reed Chupa, who goes to this church, is so good at this. I learned this from her. When she speaks to her children, she gets right down so that she can see them at eye level. And I learned that from her. And I do that now more often. And the other day I did that with her daughter, Tilly, and Tilly totally rewarded me with all these beautiful little songs that she was learning in her class and sang to me because I was down low making eye contact. Um, the other thing you need to do if you want to look at kids is you have to hang up your phone. You have to put down your smartphone. You have to take whatever computer is open in front of you. You have to shut your computer. If you're on a bus and you want to learn how to engage with kids, you have to unplug your headphones. I linked an article on our church Facebook page called How to Have a Sane Relationship with the Internet. And it is challenging me so much. I had to explain to Sophia the other day, she had some headphones in her ears and she talked back to me in a way that I thought was disrespectful. She was like, I don't even get what you're talking about. It was one of those times where we didn't understand each other. And I just kind of had a moment where I said to her, listen, mommy and daddy are teaching you manners about something that did not exist when we were kids. And the grown-ups that are all around us in the world right now are also trying to learn manners about this at the same time, and lots of them have no manners about this. So as our family, it's going to be unacceptable for you to have headphones in your ears when someone is trying to speak to you. But it is challenging me, because you know what I got last week for the first time at age 40? An iPhone. Do you know those things are magic? They're tiny TVs. You can do everything on them. And I want to do everything on them all the time. Guys, you have no idea how many times in the last two weeks that I've been doing something to prepare for a sermon about interacting or identifying with children where I've found myself annoyed that my kids are trying to talk to me in the middle of me preparing a sermon about interacting with children. I was actually trying to read this book and Pax was playing at the park and I was thinking, oh, if only he'd just play by himself for the minute while I finish reading this chapter about interacting with children. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I was like, oh, just convicted again and again and again. Oh, I have to just look at him. I have to look at him. I have to put this down. Um, we, we have to do this if we want to be functional people. I really recommend, and that article too, I mean, it's everything from why you should not be serving the internet or looking at a screen right before you go to bed at night. Apparently, it's impacting our melatonin, and we don't even realize it. There's a whole reference in there about how most people are holding their breath while they're checking their email or looking at things online, and there's actually a condition where it's like computer apnea, where people's health are being affected because they're holding their breath and holding tension for so long while they're online. Anyway, I highly recommend you to look at the article. It's linked on the church Facebook page. If you don't have Facebook, let me know. I can get them. Number two, sounds simple. This is kind of a basic function for how you welcome anyone, I think, but say to kids, I'm really glad to see you. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy that you came here today. Do you know how great that is if somebody saw you? Like, how great do you feel as an adult? If you walk in somewhere and somebody goes, hey, how are you? I'm so glad you showed up. Glad you showed up, buddy. I missed you. Number three, ask them a question. Resist the temptation to comment first on their appearance. It's hard because they're stinking cute, especially if they're girls. 
it's really tempting to want to say the first thing to them is, you're so cute, don't you look great? Here's my challenge for them, say to you, have you read any good books this week that you like? What are you reading right now? What's something that's been interesting you lately? And then you know what? Tell them something about yourself. I thought of you the other day. I saw the coolest thing. I know you love butterflies. Do you know I saw a butterfly this week? I know this sounds like it's not rocket science, and it's not rocket science. But if these are the simple things of how we honor children, so number one, look at them. Number two, tell them you're glad to see them. Number three, ask them a question if you can resist the impulse to make your comments only about their appearance. Number four, tell them about yourself. Number five, don't rush them. This is one that is challenging me over and over and over again. I think I've mentioned this book every time I've preached in the last year. It's because it's consistently rocking my world. 1,000 Gifts by Anne Boskamp. She has a whole chapter in here about how life is not an emergency, that nothing in the world is a surprise to God. There is nothing urgent under the sun. And she makes an analogy to finding beauty in the soap bubbles that were in her sink. She starts looking for gifts. She starts looking for things to be grateful for. And she sees the light shining on the soap bubbles in her sink. And then she looks outside and sees her kids playing. And she realizes that just in rushing, 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 she is not absorbing the gratefulness, the thankfulness, the, the beauty of each moment with her kids because it's intense. If you're with kids, it's intense. It is easy to feel like the tyranny of the urgent is just sucking it out of you. I mean, it's easy to feel that way. But she uses the example and she says, do you know what? In Christ, urgent, and slow are actually compatible. Anything that is urgent in the kingdom that's really, really, really necessary, you've got to take time with. And she uses the analogy of holding that moment like a bubble, that you have to move slowly and with reverence. And actually, the other book that I referenced already, Too Small to Ignore, Wes Stafford talks about growing up in an African village and having a visit from the Ivory Coast from the French... Um, authorities who came to say to the people in the village, well, what are your goals? What are your goals as a village? What are you seeing as the future? What are you seeing? And the leaders, the Sanufo leaders were saying, we don't know the future. We, don't, we can't see around that bend in the river. You're insane. What are, you, what are you talking about? And that night, the chief spoke to the whole tribe, and he said to the tribe, I have noticed that men that come with the circles on their wrists that divide the day up into pieces, the more small pieces they divide the day up into, the angrier they get. And that time is like a river. We were here today, and it's the peak of the mango season, yet they never stopped to taste a mango. We have beautiful rice and peanut sauce they didn't ask about us. They didn't stop to take in and enjoy any of the things that we're beautiful about today. And he said, we can't see around the bend in the river. Yet at the same time, he challenged the whole tribe and said, you can't forget about the past. You have to remember the past, but we have to be present today. And it's the same thing Ad Voskap has. And it's the only way that I can keep my heart from breaking as a parent 
that I cannot remember every single precious, beautiful thing that my kids do and have ever done. They have these little habits that you think you'll never forget, and then a couple of years later, you see a picture or a video, and you think, oh, yeah, he totally used to hold his hand like that all the time. Oh, he used to do this and that. You know, and I finally, the only piece that I came to it was that I was going to commit to enjoying every moment as fully as I could. And I'm hoping that there's a video replay in heaven. But I just needed to commit that I would try and be as present as I could to enjoy my children as much as I could. Because do you know, when people stopped saying ridiculous things about pregnancy and children on the bus, and they started talking about how beautiful their kids were and how much they loved having families, do you know what they said over and over again? Guests, people who have parents and children, what would you say to a pregnant woman? What do people say over and over again? It goes so, goes by so fast. It goes so fast. Enjoy your kids. It goes so fast. No? And the last thing is, listen. It's hard. It's hard to listen. Because if you have a lot of kids around, there's so much noise. <laughs> it's hard to listen. Um, I'm not going to spend a long time on this next point, but I think it is important because when I asked Sophia what she would want to say the most, this was the thing that she mentioned over and over again. So Ephesians 6.1 says this, if you can click to the next slide. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, and it's the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment of the promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on the earth. Fathers... And I think that's fathers and mothers. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. And that word discipline is translated a bunch of different ways. But do you know one of the words that actually comes up there when it's translated in different ways is actually nurture. Like, it's not just discipline like, tell them what's going on. But it's nurturing and guiding them. It's this idea of cultivating right? Cultivating minds, cultivating morals, guiding passions, guiding habits. Um, but Sophia really felt this was important. So will you come back up, Soph, and just read that last little thing that you said you think was the most important thing about looking after a kid? most important thing about looking after a kid is understanding them when you think they have done something wrong. Example, if you think they've done something wrong, if there's more than one child, ask them what they think happened so, they, so then you can try to put together to find out what, what out, find out what happened. Only after you have this story, should you go into further discipline? Maybe it was an accident and not their fault. If you're impatient, maybe disciplining them for something they didn't actually do. Thanks, I'm super convicted about that. So ultimately, what it comes down to is that 
One of the reasons we need to identify with children is that if we want to be followers with Jesus, that's what Jesus did for us, right? He, God in heaven, came and identified with us, right? He became man. He came down. And Hebrews 4.14 says, we have a great high priest that entered heaven, um, but he understands our weaknesses. If you can bring up that slide, Esther. He understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things that we do, yet he did not sin. So we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, not thinking that God's going to say, this is your fault, or it's something that you did, but that he's going to understand us the way Sophia said. I'm so challenged all the time because I'm saying stuff to my kids about how I want them to respond to me the first time, how I want them to learn to walk in obedience. You know, I, I say, I, I got this line from my, my friend Krista. She said, all over the world, people, there's consequences from disobedience. We all, we all need to hear the voice of God. Um, but ultimately, really, if we don't, if you can go to the last slide, Esther, if we don't notice and honor and identify and listen to children, we're not going to figure out how to receive the kingdom. This language is indicating that the kingdom of God is something that's there for us to take in. It's there for us to acknowledge and be aware of and receive, and that we're missing out, that it's something that God wants to give us, but that if our hearts aren't positioned with that childlike faith, we are going to miss the boat. Also, there's just such strong language from Jesus about how he felt about children. And so, as we said already today, that the next thought is anybody that welcomes a child in Jesus' name welcomes Jesus, welcomes the Father. That is what a big deal it is. We've already heard in this series, Jesus used such strong language about how he felt about those who did and did not honor children. And we're, um, you can just bring up that whole list that's on that side there. We've been charged with cultivating the minds and the morals and the body and the souls of the kids that God trusts us with. So we've been charged with that. And that's not just parents. That's us as a community. That's us as a church. God's trusting us with these kids. I've already mentioned this to you guys, and you know this. But when we started coming to church, the only kids in the church were the Pontaltis. Ray and Tina Smith's grandkids were here sometimes, too. And I miss them. I want them to come back. But it, you know, there was four kids. And we have, you know, leaders here that prayed and prayed and prayed for kids. And then you kept showing up. We couldn't get rid of you. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Goes so fast, eh? Wasn't it just a little while ago we were taking you to the Emerge from Chili Wagon? And playing with the bean cans? I know, and now you're handing out all the balloons. I'm so glad you kept coming back. I'm so glad you're a part of our church. You are such a gift to us. I hope that you know that. You're such a gift to us, Courtney. And ultimately, identifying with us is what God did through Jesus. And here's the last thing I want to say. I read a book a couple years ago called Heaven is for Real. And it's really an extraordinary book. And it's about a little boy who died, went to heaven, and came back, and told things from his point of view. But you know when he came back, this thing that he kept saying over and over again? Do you remember, Colton, what he would say? God loves the children. And his dad would say, yes, Colton, I know. But then he'd say, Dad, you don't understand. God really, really, really loves the kids. Yeah. And he just kept saying he loves Jesus, loves the children so much. He talked about how 
this little boy met in heaven his sister who his mother had miscarried and they had never known who she was and that she came, this little girl came up and said colton it's me i'm your sister and th what happened with this family is that he came back and started saying these random things here and there like he was four so he didn't come back and say i have had a profound experience he would just say these random things like hey mom so jesus has markers on his hands or like so dad do you have a grandpa named pop like it's nutty you have to read this book but one of the things he said was I, mom i met my sister and she was like i'm sorry pardon me because he was four yeah. she had never told him that she had miscarried a baby you know so they thought well we better decide what we're going to name that baby because we they'd never decided on a name they didn't even know it was a girl yeah but this is what colton said he said you don't get it guys jesus really really, really loves the kids Okay, so we're going to move into some ministry time. We're right up to the... I don't know if you guys noticed, but Gordy just decided, like a few weeks ago, we were going to stop pretending that we ended at 12.15 because we just don't ever end at 12.15. And he put on the bulletin 12.30 because that's when we end. So here it is, 12.30. And um, I asked Sophia... Um, these are some questions for reflection you can take to your home groups this week. They're on the back of the bulletin. Um, but... Uh, Sophia actually has a word for us. One of the things our kids are learning to do is to ask Jesus for a picture for them. And funnily enough, again, it's become my four-year-old who can't sit still. It's his favorite thing. He'll be like, let's ask Jesus for a picture. And, um, and that's what they do. So I asked Sophia to pray for us as a church and ask if God would say anything to her for us. And he did. So go ahead. And So if you would put yourself in a listening position, I believe that God has a word for us today. Through Sophia. I prayed and asked God if he had a picture for us as a church. I saw a picture of a flower and a garden. And the flower was a child and the gardener were the adults. But I believe that Jesus said to me, the adults cannot just plant a child, water it once and leave it alone. Just water it often, make sure it gets enough sunshine so that it can become a very large plant with many fruits. So would you pray for us that we can do that? That we can be good about, can we can be good gardeners? Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd please help the adults um, to... Make sure that us kids get enough water and sunshine and do grow up to have many fruits. That you'd please guide them to help them do that. Amen. You did great. Good first sermon. Beautiful job. Pastor Sophia. I love it. So, uh, yeah, just a special day. I've learned so, so much um, this week in just being challenged with this. Um, if you would like to 
pray with somebody, I would encourage you to just um, not rush away. Um, if you can uh, either sign your kids out or ask somebody to just do that, it's great. But please feel free to sit and pray. Um, I also would invite you, if you need prayer because of something that you've remembered today, something that you know as a kid impacted you and, and, that, and you feel like it's keeping you from receiving the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to pray with you about that today. So first of all, if there's somebody near you that you trust and have a relationship with, please start with getting prayer from your friends. But I'll be available, and if there's anybody else who wants to come and pray, you can come pray up here. And uh, I really thank you for your time and, and for your listening ear. And, and I want to thank you as a community for how you honor our children. Our kids do feel safe and loved, and it's a pretty big deal to me that on the days that my kids don't want to get in the car and come to church that I can say, even though you don't want to go, I promise I won't ever take you anywhere that you're not safe and you're not loved. And for us, we really feel like this is a community where they're safe and they're loved. So we make them keep coming and they like it. So I'm going to just pray for, for our week. So let's all stand together. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've taught us this week, what you've taught us through Sophia, through our own memories and reflections, and through the other kids in our lives. Thank you for what you've taught us through your word and ultimately through your Holy Spirit, which is the great teacher that reveals all truth. Would you put your finger on anything that is in anybody's heart today that needs to be ministered to that's keeping them from receiving the kingdom of heaven like a child, um, that weren't honored, that weren't loved when they were kids, that anything that needs to be healed now, would you do that work today? And would you help us to be a community that honors and loves kids? Because we know you really, really, really love the children. Father, I ask your blessing on each one of us today. My friends, I bless you to have a spirit-filled, Jesus-centered, God-honoring week. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for coming today. Um, on a practical note, any parents of children today who have questions about your kids being filmed for the documentary, um, Joel and Breen might like to include some of the scenes that we took today of the kids getting their balloons. But if you have any questions about your kids' images being used, would you please come to Joel and they will sign a release, help you sign a release, or we'll talk with you about your kids' images being used. If you have no concerns about it, then just... Just leave it. But please talk to Joel or you can talk to Breen, who's somewhere nearby. Thank you so much. <laughs>